Hello and welcome to the What The Heck podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. This is a creature feature episode where I look at cryptids. I'll describe them, delve into their history, look at some eyewitness accounts and look at what they might be. Research is as academic as possible and references will be given after the story. This week's creatures are merfolk. The lack of undersea exploration creates countless mysteries about what could be lurking below the waves. Aside from sea serpents, merfolk could possibly be one of the more common of the cryptids in the oceans. As early as ancient Greece, these creatures have been talked about. Greek mythology contains the god Triton, the messenger of the sea. Another early depiction of merfolk is the Syrian goddess, Atargatis. She watched over the ancient city of Hierapolis, Bambasi. Back in ancient Greece, folklore of mermaids were associated with misfortune and death, and were known to lure sailors to their deaths. Mermen were known to be a bit more forceful in their killing of sailors, being known to summon storms and sink whole ships. Mermaids were mentioned in the Middle Eastern collection of folk tales, 1001 Nights, which used to be referred to as Arabian Nights. In this one, they were given a description that seems quite odd in comparison to the image you probably conjure up when I talk about merfolk. In West, South and Central Africa, there's mythical water spirits called Mamiwata, which means mother of the waters. These spirits were worshipped for their ability to bestow beauty, health and wisdom to their followers. In Scotland, more specifically the Outer Hebrides, just off the coast, the blue men of the Minch are feared. It's said that before they sink a ship, they challenge the captain to a rhyming contest. If the captain wins, they are able to save their ship and crew from being dragged under the waves. Way back in episode 6, I spoke of the Oannes from ancient Babylon, and in the last creature feature, I talked about the Kappa from Japan. Both of these are related in some way or another. Oannes are depicted in a very similar way to the mermaids of 1001 Nights and Kappa are completely different. If you haven't, go back and listen to the previous creature feature for the description of those. Other variants of merfolk exist as well. In Ireland, merrows resemble the traditional mermaid, but only the females. Male merrows are known to be ruthless, grotesque, and more fish than human. In Scotland, the Selkie is connected to the mermaid folklore. Selkie are shapeshifters, living as seals in the ocean and humans on the land. They either try and lure men into the ocean or discard their seal skin and begin families on the land with humans. In mainland Europe, there are stories of the Melusine. This creature has a serpent or fish tail and sometimes even wings. The story varies across Europe, 
and the most famous version involves a girl getting revenge on her human father on behalf of her fairy mother, only to be punished with a tail at the end. In medieval times, it was just assumed that mermaids were real. They appeared in paintings with other known animals of the sea, such as the whale. While this was common knowledge, sailors were warned of the dangers of the terrifying women of the ocean before setting sail. Around this time, merfolk became almost exclusively female. In the 1600s, a story arose in the Netherlands about a mermaid who entered Holland, which was a former province on the west coast of Netherlands, through a waterway called the Dyke. Doing this actually injured her, and she was captured and taken to a nearby lake to heal. Once she was healed, she became a valued member of the community, learning to speak Dutch, performing household chores, and converting to Catholicism. Catholicism is important here, since in the 16th century, Holland was part of the Holy Roman Empire, and so it was important that anyone living in the area would become Catholic and therefore part of the community. According to Edward Snow's book, Incredible Mysteries and Legends of the Sea, Captain John Smith of Jamestown fame, and yes, that John Smith, saw a mermaid in 1614. The encounter took place in Newfoundland and John Smith apparently fell in love with the mermaid before noticing that she wasn't all human. He also described her, but we all know I'll get to that in a little while. In Slavic folklore, the creature known as the Rusalki is often equated to being a mermaid. Initially, they had the reputation of being benevolent spirits of agriculture and fertility. But by the 1800s, they had become more sinister, becoming the spirits of women who had died by drowning. Their anger and sorrow compelled them to lure men and children to a watery grave. By the 1800s, mermaids were still very much talked about in the West as well. In 1837, Hans Christian Andersen wrote the very famous The Little Mermaid. In the original story, the mermaid doesn't get her happily ever after, and nothing is anywhere near as nice as the Disney counterpart. The important note to make here is that it was written in Denmark and if you visit Copenhagen, there's a statue there depicting her. Also around this time, people were coming up with physical evidence of them. In the 1840s, P.T. Barnum, the American showman, displayed a mermaid. It became one of his most popular attractions. It cost 50 cents to go and see the creature And I know all of you are thinking along the lines of the Disney film, but that's really not the image this should conjure up. The creature you've just paid 50 cents to see is a horrific sight. The torso and head of a monkey sewn onto the tail of a fish. At the time, it was interesting and people believed it. But in the modern day, it's known to be a hoax and it's called the Fiji mermaid. Double E instead of I. In 1949, surrealist painter René Marguerite 
des- uh, depicted a reverse mermaid in a painting called The Collective Invention. In 1989, Disney took on the Hans Christian Andersen classic, turning it into one of their many animated musicals. The form of mermaids was then taken from this film, creating a universal image in people's heads when they think of them. Then, in 1995, the mermaid was adopted as a figurehead for the Transgender Youth Network when they founded Mermaids UK. The organisation supports children and young people who are transgender, gender diverse or both. The mermaid was chosen as a figurehead because of their ability to transform. The absence of visible genitalia means that the physical sex of the mermaid is irrelevant. Sculptor Eve Shepherd was commissioned by Royal Museums Greenwich to create something for them. After spending two years working with trans and gender diverse youths at Mermaid UK, she created a sculpture called Person of the Sea. On to the eyewitness accounts. There's a few of them from across time. In the second century, the governor of Gaul wrote a letter to Emperor Augustus about mermaids. Pliny the Elder mentioned and described many sightings of the coast of Gaul and mermaid corpses were frequently found to have been washed up, which is why the governor wrote his letter to Emperor Augustus. In 1493, Christopher Columbus was said to have seen a group of mermaids off the coast of Hispaniola. He said that the folkloric description of them was all wrong and that they were not as beautiful as the folklore, saying that they had masculine features. Historians suggest that they were actually manatees, but nobody can confirm what Columbus actually saw. In 1890, one of the most famous merfolk sightings on the Orkney Islands happened. A regular visitor began to appear around Newark Bay, Deerness. The creature was seen hundreds of times and was eventually dubbed the Deerness Mermaid. However, documented reports state that it was seen some distance from the shore, so the exact details of the creature are rather vague. One account does describe it, and I'll get to that soon. In 1913, off the southeastern coast of Hoy, Ralph Taylor and his crew spotted something they called a mermaid. According to Taylor, it rose out of the water and looked like a lady with a shawl around her shoulders. They say that they'd seen it twice before and that it may have been the Deerness Mermaid out on a swim. In 1943, on the K Islands, Indonesia, Japanese soldiers were stationed during World War II. They recorded multiple sightings of an unknown creature. The local people were familiar with them and called them Orangika, which translates to manfish. The soldiers said that they had even seen them on land, believing they were amphibious. They were even attacked by one at a natural lagoon whilst exploring. According to the soldiers, one of the orangutan jumped from the lagoon and turned to them and made a gurgling, burping noise at them that sounded unfriendly. The soldiers opened fire on the creature, only for them to escape unharmed. The sergeant spoke to the villagers, 
and requested that any orangutan to be captured or killed should be brought to him. It didn't take long for him to be called, and after the war, he tried to get the scientific community involved. However, he never managed it. In 1967, a ferry was travelling in the main islands of British Columbia. The passengers spotted a blonde-haired mermaid lounging topless on the beach, eating a salmon. A photo was taken at the time. The same thing happened a week later, but by the time it happened again, sceptics were already saying that it was untrue. Charles White from the Undersea Gardens had a $25,000 reward for her capture and even offered room and board with special combs for the mermaid. The company desperately wanted to prove her existence, but the story died off soon after the reward was announced. In 1998, the island of Kauai, Hawaii, was the subject of a mermaid mystery. A diver named Laker claims to have taken the first ever documented proof of a mermaid. Laker was 20 minutes off the coast of the island when he spotted what he described as a woman around 10 feet away from him, swimming with a dolphin pod and keeping up with them, which he thought was odd. According to him, she jumped into the air and revealed her tail to him and 10 other people who were on the boat. Laker thought that the second jump she performed would be the last one and dived into the water with his camera to take photos. Around an hour later, he felt the woman brush past him as she swam away. Laker took some photos and was able to capture a single one as she swam above him. The photos were sent away to three separate labs who all said that the images hadn't been tampered with. In 2009, there was a huge incident in Israel that had the media, the public and even the government involved. The beach at Kiryat Haim became the centre of the incident when it was reported that for a number of days, a young girl had been spotted doing tricks in the water. It was believed that she was a mermaid. It took some time for the news to spread, but once it did, the government got involved and issued a $1 million reward to anyone who could prove the mermaid existed. NBC set out to investigate began to record above and below the ocean at all times, in the hopes of capturing anything. Late one night, they claimed to have seen a figure dipping into the water. They were unable to capture any footage of the mermaid. As of right now, the $1 million reward is still available, and tourists and locals still look for the mermaid. In 2012, Dam workers in Zimbabwe were trying to install a water pump to help local agriculture. The pumps were blocked and divers were hired to investigate. After investigating and resurfacing, they swore to never return to those waters again because they had seen a mermaid. The government didn't believe the reports and sent more divers to have a look. The new people reported the same thing and refused to go back to fix the pipes. The locals say that they'd seen the mermaid for years and to this day, the dam is unfinished. That's it for mermaid stories. 
and I'm sure you already have an image in your head for what they look like. But that might not be entirely correct. Let's take a look. Merfolk have received a lot of descriptions over time. I'm just going to go down the list as I talked about them in the story. In 1001 Nights, mermaids are depicted as having moon faces and hair like a woman's, but their hands and feet were inside their bellies and they had the tails of fish. The Mami Wata are often portrayed as typical mermaids with a human torso and a fish tail. They can also be depicted as water priests or snake charmers. The Greek mermaids were described completely differently. Mermaids were often referred to as sirens, but also may have been their own entities. In the case of sirens, these mermaids were depicted as half woman, half bird. But when being, descri- but when being described in other legends, they are described as half woman, half fish. By 1614, John Smith's mermaids had changed their form. He describes them as having long green hair, but then talks of his disappointment to discover that they have the tail of a fish. Merrows have two descriptions. Female merrows have long green hair, a fish tail, and a female upper body. Male merrows are just described as ugly, and no official description seems to exist for them. The Deerness Mermaid was described as six to seven feet long, with a little black head and a snow-white body and two arms. Swimming, it was meant to look like a human, and sometimes would be seen sitting on a rock, waving or working with its hands. The orangutan were described in multiple ways. They were given the description of being around five feet tall, with spikes on their spine, shoulders and neck. They were said to have pink, salmon-coloured skin and a mouth that resembles a carp, with long arms and frog-like legs that had talons on the end. When one was brought to the sergeant, it was said to be between four and nine feet, with pinkish skin human-looking face, spikes along its head, and the mouth of a carp. The mermaid from the main islands was said to have a porpoise tail instead of a fish tail. These descriptions range quite far in terms of looks, but that's not even taking their powers into account. I'll come back to those eventually, but that will take more research, so I might have to start some extra episodes on top of the creature features. We've heard the stories and know what they're meant to look like, but what exactly are the merfolk? Are they beautiful people with fish tails, or monstrous creatures that will drag people to their grave? I'll start with the most common theory. It's a marine mammal. Dugongs and manatees are usually the explanation that scientists go for. They have a flat tail and flippers instead of arms, but could be mistaken for humanoid 
if seen from far enough away. In, in the 1960s, British biologist Sir Alistair Hardy believed that humans hadn't evolved from apes that roamed the land and created the aquatic ape theory. Hardy believed that the species then split off and merfolk stayed in the water. This theory is quite controversial today since there's no evidence to back it up. All of the archaeological evidence we have supports the idea that human evolution occurred solely on land. This is the only other theory that links the merfolk to our reality. Perhaps we as humans really want something to be out there that's similar to humanity. Or maybe they're just out there and we refuse to believe it because they're so elusive. If you're ever out on the ocean and you see something that looks half human and half fish, snap a photo and see what we can find. The description and history of today's creature came from a live science article called Mermaids and Mermen, Facts and Legends, and a Royal Museum's Greenwich article called What is a Mermaid and What do they Symbolise? The eyewitness reports came from the live science article, an Orkney Jar article called Mermaid Accounts and Sightings, a Folklore Thursday article called Top Mermaid Sightings in the Last Century, and an Ocean Info article called Top 8 Real Mermaid Sightings. The theories from today came from the Life Science article. References for the episode will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Speaking of social media, links to those and other ways to listen are in the episode description under my link tree. You can currently find me on Facebook and Instagram. Patreon is getting an upload of one of the transcripts each week as part of the £3 tier. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree and, as before, you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month and I'll find something extra special for the people that do. I do have an email set up on the link tree, but it doesn't open up a new email, so that's in the description of the episode too. Send me your spooky stories, unexplained events and anything else you want me to read out. Or, if you have any corrections or issues with the things that I've said, let me know and I'll address them as soon as I see the email. The next episode will be out on Wednesday and the next week's creature feature will be on April 30th. So hold on until then. (laughs) 